0: This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Dr. Haitham Hassoun, Vice President and Medical Director International of Cedar sinai Los Angeles. Dr. Hassoun, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today.
1: Hi. Thank you. Appreciate it.
0: Now, I know we've got a lot to talk about, but before we dive into my questions, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background?
1: Sure. So um, I feel like I'm kind of a true blue academic surgeon. Um, I uh, did my undergrad at Johns Hopkins and went to the Texas Medical Center in Houston, which I consider Houston home, and did my medical school at Baylor and surgical training there at UT. And um, then I decided to become a vascular surgeon and did a stop in Chicago, Northwestern, which was uh, kind of a place I fell in love with in terms of uh, the training and and the program. And then came back to Hopkins and I started my uh, academic career Doing uh, clinical work in vascular surgery and endovascular therapies, and um, really uh, had a basic science lab and got some NIH funding, and and really my career was developing in that way. Being at Hopkins, many doors open. Such an incredible institution and university and academic sort of environment. But our uh, Hopkins was really going global at that time in the early 2000s when I started on my faculty and. Uh, And um, yeah, I kind of got involved through the Department of Surgery and and, uh, some of our partnerships overseas and and really uh, helping both clinically as well as sharing knowledge and then my career started to move in that direction. It's not so random, I guess, because I grew up as a, I'm a Lebanese immigrant to the United States, born in Portland, Oregon. Uh, My father was a technical side in the oil industry and we moved um, at that time from Houston to Saudi Aramco which is the American oil company that that really um, helped launch that whole industry there back about almost 100 years ago. And anyway, I grew up as what's called an Aramco brat. So I kind of had this background that was just under the surface of being this international American kind of person. But I didn't think it would come back. You know, and it's really come full circle in my life because, you know, that's really my career just took off in that direction, doing medicine, thinking of it in the global context, but everything we do in the U.S. Is, as far as academic hospitals.
0: Well, that's really amazing to hear and, and how fortunate that you have that background. So it seems like it would really allow you to jump in and do more um, easily what you're able to do on the international front and growing internationally. Now, could you tell us a little bit about Cedar sinais efforts on the inter- international front?
1: Sure, I'd be happy to. And um, it, it's exciting. You know, what we're doing is exciting, I believe. Um I arrived to Cedars in LA. I'd never lived in LA, I'd visited several times in November, 2018, so a little over four years ago. Um, was fortunate that the post had sort of opened up. My predecessor, Dr. Spencer Kerner had established for, oh, for about 20 years, an international program at Cedars-Sinai, but it was really contained in its focus, uh, mostly around just managing international patients that would come to the hospital and trying to grow that business, so to speak. Uh, my background was a bit more. I certainly had that experience at Hopkins, but a bit more in the, uh, you know, global what we call global services or expansion and sharing knowledge, um, maybe even owning assets overseas or managing and operating facilities overseas. And so we we uh, put together a five year strategic plan um, to to integrate both of those kind of pillars of, of a let's just say a modern international program at any of the top hospitals and uh, it's been successful I believe both internally which is the biggest challenge and most important thing one would do is to align the leadership uh, with your resources and your faculty and staff and uh, excellent clinical leaders um, to the mission and the vision and where we're going and then you um, really have to build your marketing and and build your um, outreach Uh, Infrastructure, and that goes hand in hand with doing a great service to the patients that are coming. And for us, we put the patients at the center of everything we do. We really, it's a little different than my experience when we were at Johns Hopkins International, and that really felt that global business was a separate entity than the patient care. And a lot of hospitals and universities that are split kind of do that. I think we're not, we're putting the patients at the center. So every, all of our relationships overseas. Um, Really start and end with the patients in that hospital, the people in that community, and how we can serve their needs wherever they are. And of course, today in the post-pandemic world, we are facilitated by the realization that we can use technology to connect remotely in healthcare and deliver. And of course, with the sort of nascent technology and AI and all the things that we hear a lot about, um, you know, I think it's going to become easier and easier so you know i'll i 'll stop there, but I think fundamentally those are the core principles of what we 're doing.'d um, be happy to, of course, go into more details of the where, the how, and the what.
0: Absolutely. That's fascinating. And really sounds like you've got a, a great foundation there to build upon in terms of what is really needed to grow robust and um, helpful international networks with Cedar sinai So uh, from your perspective, could you talk a little bit more about what it takes to lead some of these efforts of a U.S.-based health system abroad uh, and what do you have to constantly think about and be aware of when you're connecting the U.S.-based facilities with overseas and in trying to make sure you're building out this network?
1: Yeah, well, I think it starts with a good base of humility, and I and I, I really mean that. I think you cannot go into uh, engaging in global healthcare. care um, without a realization that we have a lot to offer, but at, at once we have a lot to learn. And um, you know, every, every task, every project, every initiative will have multiple stakeholders pulling in different direction. I mean, that's common to any business leader, um, but you really have to have the cultural awareness and nuance. Um, you really have to understand not just the ethnic culture, but the business culture and the environments with which uh, those um, people or partners are working within, so you know which levers to pull, et cetera. So I, I think that um, you know, a lot of that is helpful when you're in an environment that's in and of itself multicultural, multi, uh, you know, dimensional in its scope. So being in a city like Los Angeles is tremendously helpful. It's such a global city. Uh, our community is certainly uh, local, but it's also at the same time uh, global. And um, our local partners are helping us connect to the world, and and on the reverse side, patients coming here, or business partners are certainly attracted to um, our community and what we're doing. So I think those are um, some important things. I think for us, as I sort of as we took off and in, in tried to grow and expand and um, our program, we looked at where do our patients come from, where does our natural business contacts uh, come from and start there. And um, while we do have patients that come from over a hundred countries, believe it or not, and we see about 25, between 2,500 and 3,000 international patients per year in our medical center. um, You know, I think that uh, the three core areas is where we start with, which is our neighboring countries, Mexico and Canada very important to us, um, close geographically, same time zone easier to communicate and certainly uh, a lot of people from those countries will flock to southern california for a variety of reasons Uh, i think when we look at the gulf countries they've long been a a great business partner to the united states in many areas but healthcare specifically um, our top hospitals have been um, an extension of their provision of care in the country so these are new countries or resource rich and for decades, um, it's not just for the wealthy, but also regular citizens have that right and ability to go outside the country if they've outstripped the ability there locally, and, and the governments subsidize and sponsor that. So there's a whole system in place. And um, so we put a lot of effort in, in UAE, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, these countries. Um, and then China, you know, pre-pandemic, of course, I'd say about 10 years before has been kind of the new frontier, this booming population um, going global. I think everyone recognized that. Of course, there's been a recent shift in the geopolitical environment, but we don't we've not um, strayed from our core that we have strong ties in our local community. We have built a tremendous network in China, including hospitals. That um, will bear the Cedar sign or a hospital that will bear the Cedar sign a name and multiple strategic collaborations. And, you know, and, and I'm happy to dive into that conversation more if you like. But, um, and then you have sort of, you know, beyond those are core areas. And then you look at sort of, of course, um, the rest of the Americas, while geographically a bit more distant to the West Coast and the East Coast of the United States, we think that there's relationships there that we're trying to really build and, and foster. I think certainly Eastern European Central Asia um, is uh, going through a lot of problems right now geopolitically but um, has been an area that we uh, are very interested in building stronger ties and LA has a lot of communities uh, that from that part of the world and then uh, Southeast Asia, specifically Indonesia for us so stop there again, because you may want to dive into any of those elements, but I'm giving you sort of the principles, but then also our geographical footprint, where we're building uh, relationships.
0: Absolutely. Wow, that's really impressive to think about just the footprint that Cedar sinai has um, currently, and then, you know, where anticipated growth could be in the future. And I am interested in, in learning more about some of those efforts you have, especially as you were speaking about China and some of the other Asian countries, um, you know, in thinking about, as you mentioned earlier, keeping the patient front of mind and really doing what's best for the people in the communities in healthcare, while also, you know, trying to navigate, I'm sure, some of the challenges uh, geopolitically and the international relations between the, the countries, wh- whether they have with the U.S. or, or some of the other issues that that they might have with uh, their own neighbors overseas uh, you know when you think about that and really try to make sure you're keeping that healthcare admission focused in mind you know what comes up or, or what do you really do to make sure that you're able to keep that front and center as you're moving forward and navigating any other issues that come up um, on the periphery
1: well you know um, there's a lot of passionate people in the United States, especially here in LA about cultural beliefs and, and rightfully so. And, and culture seems to be, when I use that word, I mean the sense of how we live our lives and, and our values. And you know, I do think that um, this is a period, um, whether it's due to or um, temporarily associated with the pandemic, of tensions and, and, and seeing where each community wants to go with those values. I mean for me i'm I'm personally to personalize it i'm very fortunate um to have grown up in in the and this is where my background helps me i'm an an arab immigrant to united states um i've i think talk act behave completely like an american second generation i've lived in 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 a overseas for much of my life engaged now on a business side for over 15 years uh, actively and I, I tend to naturally go to a more neutral, balanced approach, realizing that um, what governments, local or um, of a nation, um, while those, those are very important to deal with uh, the rules and regulations, that you can't just stop there and make blanket assessments when you actually know people and you engage in those communities. And I think you begin to realize that you know, we're all much more alike than we are different. And I think healthcare is such an amazing... I feel fortunate. I wouldn't choose any other um, area to go into if I were doing it again. Maybe sports. I love sports, so maybe sports diplomacy. But I think being a healthcare diplomat, I think, I mean, it may be awkward or odd to some people, but I feel like that's what what we do that are building bridges between uh, countries and doing it on the business side. We're also effectively um, promoting the United States and how we think and feel and, and I think we, we have a positive impact, and, and I don't underestimate or, or we should not underestimate or undermine that. So I guess it's a long winded way of saying that despite all of these tensions, we, we engage. I don't shy away from even China, Russia. Um, we have patients from there, we, we have business contacts. Um, you know, we, we're trying to use healthcare as a platform uh, to improve relationships between countries, both at the patient level, but also at you know, we, we started, there's two educational um, kind of platforms. I've started at Cedar sinai One is uh, our Grand Rounds. It's like a typical clinical Grand Rounds, but we bring experts in the field and they come and they talk about anything and everything under the global health and global healthcare space. But also we started a, a one called Healthcare Diplomacy. Uh, we've done Mexico. We've done Russia. We've done China. Bringing diplomats and healthcare leaders together and talking about how do we use Healthcare as a vehicle to improve relations between countries. So, I mean, there are academic components beyond just the business ones that we're doing. And I think, um, you know, I really want to grow that and, and nurture and develop that, not just at Cedar Sinai, but with peers at other top uh, hospitals and medical schools in the country.
0: Well, that's fascinating to hear and definitely seems like it would be a really beneficial program to connect virtually and, and really um, boost up some of the care and best practices and uh, abilities of, of other organizations. Now, when you think about the future, where do you see the best strategy for growth and development? How, I guess, what exciting things are on the horizon for you, whether it's in China or any of the other countries?
1: Well, we've, um, we, we have two affiliations now, those are Greenfield, so they, they're beautiful, just state-of-the-art facilities with, um, you know, and, and recruited some great talent in one in Qatar, which is really going to, I believe, stand up the private sector there. Um, that's a country that has, has been in the spotlight because of the World Cup and, and um, has done so much to build its infrastructure. It's still heavily government-based healthcare delivery. It's a small country, so... About 85 percent or so of its deliveries through the government hospitals that are owned and operated uh, by the government. I think that there's um, really a need to boost the private sector there. I think similar in China, you know, with the growing private insurance, and you know that's been developing over the past 10 years or so. We're in Shenzhen, China, with a public-private partnership. That's be a 1100 um, HDR design, beautiful hospital in, in Shenzhen in, in an area called um, the Qinhai Authority, it's, like a, it's a zone that it's been developed and it's with Taikong as a public as a private partner to the government there, and we'll be an affiliate to both of those. We don't own or operate, but we do have, um, you know, use of name and quality oversight and a lot of components of of uh, services that'll help them enhance and help them deliver um, top notch uh, healthcare. Um, I think we're looking for to even have deeper um, kind of overseas uh, assets, if you will. Um, you know, I don't know if we'll go as far as Cleveland Clinic, um, you know, in terms of owning, wholly owning a hospital like they're doing in London or, but we certainly would go into joint ventures and some type of management arrangements in key key parts of the world where we think healthcare is de- um, developing, needs to develop in the private sector. Most of the time, uh, not always, and where there's a stable sort of uh, um, economic and geopolitical environment. Um, Of course, that can change rapidly, we know, in today's world, but I think we have a pretty good sense. Um, I think beyond those types of things, um, you know, like I said, I bring it back to this. You know, to me, it's all about patients and getting them access to the best care that they can really receive. And that takes needs to be done through teamwork in today's world. And also the other side of that coin is the wellness and prevention of healthcare. So we are looking at other opportunities to more of a community engagement relationships where we can provide telehealth and provide some practice or processes for maintaining wellness and keeping people out of hospitals. So, I mean, it's, you know, you can't be an expert in everything. But the things that we are strong in, and I think Cedar Sinai, we're ranked so highly in so many different specialty areas. Um, we like to take sort of that service line approach and uh, just see how we can, uh, you know, enhance lives wherever they are. So we really have a robust engagement, um, and uh, I think the challenge for me, the biggest, is how do you temper the growth? I mean, how do you build your resources and and kind of do it steadily? I mean, we're ambitious. Um, I think Cedar sinai is relatively new in in terms of the global market or global space compared to some of our peers like Mayo or Cleveland Clinic or Johns Hopkins. Um, But I think we have all the the capability and and, and amazing uh, doctors and nurses and just healthcare leaders across the enterprise that we're anxious to share this with the rest of the world.
0: That really makes a lot of sense. And I I do love the mission driven aspect of being able to share what you do well, and, and really provide access to a higher level of care in places that, you know, may not have access to it now. And I'm wondering, you know, what are some of the big challenges in uh looking at, you know, this type of program um, from the US-based perspective? I know it's challenging just to run a, a health system in the US right now in terms of some of the financial uh situation and, and um you know, really just a lot of challenges still coming off the pandemic. So when you look at, you know, what you're doing internationally, um, you know, how do you make sure that you've got the resources and ability to grow in places where it makes sense? And, and could down the road be a, a big advantage for Cedar Sinai, in addition to providing that yeah. care for patients there?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I think uh, you're alluding to it, and there's there's no no doubt about it that it's a very challenging time financially for hospitals and and the United States and, and elsewhere. Quite frankly, it's you know, it's I'm not an expert, but we all know that it's related fundamentally to. Sort of the pandemic, the economic ripple effects in terms of inflation and, and increased costs of goods and labor and all those things, uh, health, The hospitals and healthcare in general are not immune from that. And so at the same time, you have um, sort of an unknown change to disease in the market or in the community. And so we have, you know, it's just this odd time where our hospital, which is, you know, a 900 bed licensed hospital continuously as a, you know, we have, we're well over that and um, trying to manage the flow of patients through the hospital. And, you know, at times it's been, of course, those with, you know, COVID and and illnesses, acute illnesses like that, but really it's the downstream effect of the chronic diseases that's that's led to, um, you know, more admissions, more need for acute care, more need for our resources um, than ever. And so you have that coupled with the increase in in price of goods and commodities and all this kind of thing. And and we're just flooded, you know, and we're just it's hard to. And one of the clearly in my mind, one of the many ways that we ought to shift is to rethink and diversify our payer mix, our portfolio of business. And so inherently that takes you international and global and and that sort of thing. Um, but you also have a limited uh, resource, whether it's people and, 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 and busy trying to take care of patients otherwise locally, or whether it's the facility itself or what have you. So, um, and the fact that, you know, how do you, you know, we want to put more resource into growing international, but then at the same time, you know, we're below you know, our budget and, and that sort of thing. So, um, you know, we don't have, like, I don't have a blanket solution to that, but I find it interesting challenges. Uh, We've been doing uh, just fine dealing with them as an organization. I'm I'm proud of our executive team and our leaders, um, recognizing that at once you have to um, deal with the problems at home, but also continue to think and leap forward into solutions and and how we can solve them. And international and going global is, is one of those solutions.
0: Absolutely. You know, that is great to hear. And I love to kind of think about what, uh, you know, um, what that could mean for the future. It seems like, you know, you're just really putting yourself in a great spot. And I've really enjoyed talking to you about this. Now, before we wrap up, I just have one more quick question. You know, when you look into the future and think about leadership, what do leaders really need in order to be effective in the evolving healthcare space today?
1: Well, I think certainly resilience—that's a word that comes up a lot today—and it's just—it's it's facts. I think we have to be, um, but I think beyond that, I think part of that resilience to me is is being nimble, and 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 so it's almost three words immediately come to mind just randomly. So resilience, nimble, and humility, because you need to have all those to shift your mindset and your strategies. And um, you know, we always wonder—is it the strategy or is it execution of them? And and I find it. In, Completely impossible to uncouple the two. And, and so I think you know as we, as we think about the near future, it's going to require us to continuously um, be a little more open-minded about solutions that are maybe non-traditional within healthcare and to adopt these new technologies because the future is here now, and um, that's really the leaders that are going to be able to adapt and, and move forward are going to the ones that are going to do the best.
0: That makes a lot of sense. Thank you, Dr. Hassoun, for joining us on the podcast today. This has been a really fantastic discussion, and I look forward to connecting with you again soon.
1: Yes, my pleasure. Absolutely. Anytime. Love to do it and enjoy talking with you. Thank you.